Texan Overtime Podcast. My name is Michael Shapiro. I am a writer and reporter for The Daily Texan. It's a bit of an on-the-mend edition today as our fearless leader, Ezra Siegel, is out due to some illness. If you can't tell, my voice is a little hoarse as well. You can thank Mr. Kanye West for that. With Texas football on the bye week this week, we decided to start with some Longhorn soccer talk. And for that, we welcome our women's soccer beat writer, Trenton Dashner. Trenton, how are you today? Good to be here. Thank you. All right. So not many people you know, who listen to this podcast follow Texas soccer. Myself, probably included in that. So tell me, what has been the biggest storyline for Texas soccer so far this year? I think with Texas, you know, you, you look at them, they're, they're off to their best start in uh, head coach Angela Kelly's career here at Texas. Um, the team is 6-3. and three. They've won their past three matches. Um, and statistically speaking, this might be the best team that Texas has had this, um, in, in Kelly's tenure here at Texas. Um, defensively, They've only given up um, seven goals through nine matches, 24 shots on goal, and that defensively is the best defense they've had. And they, they're also scoring a lot. They've scored 19 goals this year. They sc- um, only scored 21 goals all last season. So I think um, both sides of the pitch, um, they're, they're putting it together well. They have a lot of players that can um, score from in the attacking third, and um, they've had a lot of young players step up too. So Speaking of young players, the Longhorns have Memphis, Tennessee native and freshman Takora Turner who was named the Big 12 Freshman of the Week yesterday. What kind of boost has she given to the Longhorns' attack? She's played well. She's come off the bench and um, played really well and, and been a part of some um, offensive possessions that they've attacked well on. She scored a, um, a goal uh, last Sunday against um, Cal Santa Barbara. And, you know, she's one of um, a lot of their young players in, um, that, that really can score. Um, her, um, Alexa Adams, are are two young players that are that are really good in the attacking third. Um, the, Texas just has a lot of players all around on offense that, um, you know, any any one of them can get going. And they've had nine different goal scorers this year as well. You mentioned those nine different goals. Who's that one player for the Longhorns who, when they need a goal or need a big play, who do they go to? Sophomore forward Alexa Adams is, without a doubt, um, the best goal scorer on this team. She leads the team in goals. She just has such an explosive factor to her. Um, she, she just runs past defenders. And um, Coach Kelly today, um, was talking about how she's just got a, an, an extra gear that a lot of players don't have. And so her speed combined with her um, finishing with, with both of her feet really separates her. Now, you mentioned that this is the most talented roster you think that the Longhorns have had in a long time. However, their 6-3 and three record is only good enough for 7th in the Big 12. What do the Longhorns need to do in conference play to compete with really national title contenders in West Virginia and Oklahoma and the current conference leader, TCU? Well, Big 12 soccer is really deep, and so I think that that's also a testament to um, to how good the Big 12 is. Um, but, yeah, conference play opens up this week. Um, I think Texas, the biggest key for them is just to keep doing what they're doing. Um, offensively, they've, they're scoring a lot defensively. They're not allowing a lot of goals. Um, that's a formula that I think works for them, obviously. But, um, yeah, keep relying on those um, on players like Alexa Adams um, and defensively players like Monique Ionella, um, Emma Jett, Atu Imshanu and Shana um, and you know they finally found a, um, a consistent goalkeeper in, in Paige Brown um, all those players are, are vital to this team's success and um, it, you know it starts this weekend on, on the road um, opening Big 12. Well Angela Kelly head coach for Longhorn certainly has her work cut out for her into Big 12 play but things are looking up in Austin. Trenton if you had a prediction for where do you think the Longhorns end up as this year goes on so we're at the Big 12 is this a team that's probably third or fourth in the Big 12 or do you think it'll be tough to even get that high up? I think they have the the talent um, to 
to contend for a Big 12 title. Um, the, the players have been talking about that. It's just about um, consistency with them. You know, sometimes they may get a little lackadaisical. You know, early in the match, if they get a goal, they might um, ease up a little bit. They talked about trying to stay away from complacency and putting together a full 90-minute match. Um, they definitely have the talent to compete for a Big 12 title, and that's their expectation going forward. Um, they haven't made the NCAA tournament a lot past few years. I think they've made it once um, in, Co in Kelly's tenure here. Um, but, yeah, they're definitely talented to get back to the NCAA tournament and to compete for a Big 12 championship. All right. Well, high hopes here in Austin for Longhorn soccer. Trenton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And with that, we will move now to some Longhorn volleyball talk and bring on for the second time Mr. Steve Helwick, our resident volleyball beat writer. Steve, last time we met, the Longhorns were prepping to have a big match against Wisconsin and start Big 12 play. Things didn't go so well for the Longhorns on Sunday, hosting Wisconsin. They were up 2-0 and then blew the next three consecutive sets to fall to the Badgers. What went wrong for the Longhorns on Sunday? Uh, it's a matter of Texas keeping the foot on the gas throughout the set. If you look at all the games uh, after the Nebraska, they, they kept yielding uh, the third set to teams. They did it to Wichita State. They, they did it to Oregon. It's been a trend in Texas volleyball, and it's just a matter of keeping the foot on the pedal and making sure to get the sweep. And in this case, uh, it didn't happen. I mean, Wisconsin is a great team. They're ranked uh, in the top three in the nation, and the two teams above them are Nebraska, Minnesota. So this is a team that's used to powerful competition. They play in probably the best conference in volleyball in the Big Ten. And Texas just wasn't prepared to finish off an opponent as formidable as the Badgers here. And uh, in the fourth set where Texas was up uh, seven, uh, it was a close in the fourth set and Wisconsin rattled off six straight points and helped uh, secure a 2-2 tie. And then Wisconsin just managed to finish off in the fifth set. So Texas just needs to work on, on finishing how they start. Now, I got to know head coach Jared Elliott pretty well last year after covering Longhorn Volleyball, and he's a pretty calm and collected guy, but if they flow leads they're not supposed to or lose matches that he feels they shouldn't lose, he'll get a little fiery. What was he like post-game talking to you guys? Some losses are good losses because they can be learning experience, and that was the case with Nebraska to help them uh, get on the run in non-conference early in the season, and that remains the case in Wisconsin as the new season as Big 12 play starts. And... Wisconsin is probably tougher than any Big 12 opponent Texas will face. And uh, that could give the team some confidence that it can only go downhill from there. But it also just makes the team more used to playing at their highest level. And that's what you have to do to beat Wisconsin. Not the case with every team, but if the team just comes out with the same focus that Elliott uh, gives them after this Wisconsin loss, then the team should be in good shape going forward. Well, the Longhorns are certainly good after bouncing back. They won seven in a row after losing to Nebraska early in the season. Things do not get any easier here in the second match of conference play. Texas knocked off West Virginia in the conference opener in Morgantown on Tuesday, and we have a fun matchup on Saturday as number eight Kansas comes to Austin in a Big 12 battle. What can we expect to see from Gregory Jim? Last year, Kansas had a solid ranking when they entered Gregory Gym, and Texas just swept them. And they've they've done it before this year. They did it to Texas A&M when they were ranked number 16. So they're capable of using that Gregory Gym crowd and the atmosphere and just uh, helping to sweep a ranked opponent. It's it's definitely a possibility here, and Texas has been very good at winning those initial sets. I think it's just a matter of 
uh, lessening the errors, uh, working on working on serves, just improving that. Some teams are out serving them. Texas has had a bit of service er- errors lately, and I think if they can just uh, remedy those uh, mistakes and fix those remedies, then uh, then Texas should be able to beat Wisconsin, uh, to beat Kansas and excel in the Big 12 play. Kansas is the toughest opponent they'll likely face. So despite those losses to Nebraska where they were swept and this collapse against Wisconsin, do you still think Texas is the preeminent team in the conference and the favorites? Uh, they're they're definitely the favorites in the conference right now. They have the highest ranking at number five in the nation, and this is a team that has gone to four straight Final Fours, including a national championship in 2012. They know how to pull it together. They know what they know what tournament play is like. The upperclassmen have been uh, great mentors to the freshmen, according to uh, Coach Elliott, and this team definitely has what it takes to extend that streak to five. And the, a Big 12 title should come uh, as a compliment with that all right well after they face kansas on saturday the texas schedule gets pretty easy in conference play they have dominated the big 12 over the past years and now we'll look to make it five straight final four appearances steve thank you so much for joining us you're welcome all right and last but not least we are joined by our football beat writer and associate sports editor tyler horka with the long run of the bye week we decided that we uh We'll focus on the Big 12 as a whole. So another week goes by here, Tyler. We really learned nothing about who should win the Big 12. If you had to put your money on it, who do you think is going to win this conference? There's a lot of people that say that Oklahoma can still win this thing, but the way I see it, I think the Sooners are out. They're sitting at 1-2, and two and hmm. it just kind of feels like this is one of those uh, down years for Bob Stoops. You know, sometimes he'll pull out an 8-4 and four season or something, and that's the with the way their defense is playing, that's where they're aimed. Um, so it's not the Sooners who win just about every other year. It could be the other team from Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Even though they're at 2-1, and one, they got upset. They still have a really good offense. And I think their defense, every defense in the Big 12 is awful. Let, let's put it that way. Um, but I picked Oklahoma State a few weeks ago on this podcast, and I think uh, – they could have, you know, a pretty good season. You know, I think we actually agree a lot here on this podcast. I wholeheartedly disagree with you on this one, Tyler. You look at the Oklahoma schedule. Yes, they've played poorly. Yes, they have really struggled. But you look at this middle of the schedule after facing the Longhorns and the Cotton Bowl on October 8th. They will play Kansas State, Tech, Kansas, and Iowa State. Four games in a row. That is the exact time where OU can get on a roll. And, yeah, they're probably out of playoff contention. Yes, they might not even make a New Year's Day Bowl, but they are still very much a threat, I think, to win that Big 12. And you look at Oklahoma State, I know they lost on a fluky play to Central Michigan, but how did they let Central Michigan be in that game in the first place? Well, I think, um, well, I was just going to talk about your point about Oklahoma. I think they're going to lose two of their last three. Hmm. And it might be, I think that West Virginia game is very tricky, you know, especially with that being in Morgantown. And then, Oklahoma, we saw against Ohio State this past weekend, they are very susceptible to losing games at home. And I think the Baylor Bears or the Oklahoma State Cowboys, yes, I know they lost to Central Michigan, but I think they can go into Norman, a place they haven't had much success, and pull off a bedlam upset, and that might be where they win the Big 12. Well, that might decide the Big 12 coming down on that December 3rd match between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State with bedlam. Can't discount Texas. Longhorns had a really rough week against California. What do they need to do to really revamp and kind of reset themselves heading into Oklahoma State next weekend? I said it earlier, and the thing about Texas, 
why they should be feeling okay about what happened last week was because everyone in the Big 12 has an awful defense. And you look at Charlie Strong, he's a defensive-minded guy. If he takes over more of the reins from Vance Bedford, he can fix this Texas defense, not completely, but just enough to get it on the right track. And then you have Shane Bouchelle. I think everyone has enough confidence in him to put up 30-40 a game. If Texas puts up 30-40 a game, there's no reason they should lose more than two, two games in this conference. There will be a bunch of shootouts, which should be fun in the Big 12 this year. Can't discount Baylor and somehow tied for the top of the conference, West Virginia. You know, they're very much a sleeper. I don't think they'll actually contend. I don't think they have firepower offensively, but going to Morgantown is as tough as anywhere in the Big 12, maybe outside of Lubbock, I would argue. So we want to keep this arguing going here. Let's talk about some quarterbacks. We made some fun lists here. Tyler, rank the top five quarterbacks in the Big 12 from your perspective. You want me to go one through five? Let's go one through five, yeah. All right. I got Patrick Mahomes at number one. I don't think there's any other spot you can put him. Yes, he doesn't play a lot of good teams, but, I mean, the guy has 14 touchdowns, only two interceptions, and throws for almost 500 yards a game. I don't care who you're playing. Those stats are absurd, and he's going to continue to put up absurd stats against a Power 5 conference, albeit the Big 12. This guy's going to get 40 touchdowns, 50 touchdowns, and it's pretty ridiculous. At number two, I have Baker Mayfield. Could argue that he's number one. Heck, he could still be number one. I don't think the way Oklahoma's playing is all his fault. Their defense ranked 79th nationally in total defense. They give up over 400 yards per game. It's not his fault. That's why he still checks in at number two. Number three, Mason Rudolph of the Oklahoma State Cowboys that wow. I've been talking about. That might be a little high. We're all about Mason Rudolph. But he, I guess you can call him a game manager, but that's, that's what he exa- does. That's exactly what I would he call him. Manages, I would definitely call him that. He does manage a game, though. He's only thrown one interception the entire year. He's thrown a questionable pass at the end of the game against Central Michigan, but that was not his decision. Thank Mike Gundy, and Mike <laughs> Gundy has taken full responsibility for that. He's 40. I think a week from now... You know, he could be the reason why Texas drops to 2-2. Two and two. He's going to play great at home. He's the third-best quarterback in the Big 12. At number four, you have Texas's quarterback, Shane Bouchelle. He, uh, he's thrown for 240 yards a game. He's also only thrown one interception, which is quite remarkable for a freshman who's already faced Notre Dame and California on the road. So he checks in at number four. And rounding out the top five, there's no Kenny Hill on this list. Oh, Seth Russell is the, is the fifth-best quarterback in the Big 12. Uh, this is the guy that threw for 29 touchdowns and seven picks last season before he went down with an injury. And, you know, Baylor fell off the map after that. And then they went down to their fourth quarterback. But he's a very good quarterback. He's got nine touchdowns and three picks this year. And he could run his way through all these Big 12 defenses as well. Well, your compliments to Seth Russell are why I put him at number three on my list. We had some fun debate here, which I like. Now, a lot of your rankings, I think, come from these season statistics. When you look at the quarterbacks in the Big 12, I think Baker Mayfield is certainly the best quarterback in that conference. He was a Heisman contender last year. He was terrific for an Oklahoma team that made the playoffs. And just because, you know, his defense was terrible against Ohio State, and he got hit time and time again against Houston, I don't see any of this being his fault. He's still only thrown two picks. And, yes, the Sooners have underachieved, but I think Mayfield's talent really is above anyone in the Big 12. We, we had a lot of arguing on this podcast, but this is where I do agree with you. I mean, you look at a guy who was a Heisman mm-hmm. candidate last year, a finalist. He could easily be number one, but I guess I'm sort of a stats guy. And sure. what Patrick Mahomes does, I mean, pleases the eye of anyone in the Big 12. I don't want to – Mahomes is number two on my list. 
I don't want to take anything away from Patrick Mahomes, but I'm about to do it actually, so I guess I do. Not going to call him a system quarterback, but you go to Texas Tech, you're going to put up some yards. You're going to put up some points. Davis Webb, who shredded the Longhorns last week, had a hell of a lot of success in that Texas Tech system. And Mahomes has been very good. Don't get me wrong. Second best quarterback in Big 12 is no slight, but I think a lot of it is they haven't played anyone yet, and they've been flinging the ball over the yard. He's going to throw a lot more picks. They start throwing it. He's really terrific. I think he's really, really good quarterback, but I don't think he's good enough to be that top quarterback in the conference. I, I agree with that, um, but I still have him number one just, <laughs> just just based on what he's done. And you talk about system quarterbacks. I have, I believe that you can't just throw anyone in a system, though. This is a guy that has a huge arm, and he can really sling it down the field. Davis Webb, the same way. This is a guy that came from the Texas Tech system. So, yes, they are system quarterbacks, but they're system quarterback quarterbacks because they fit so well in the system if that makes sense well he is very good and they were on the cover uh Mahomes and head coach Cliff Kingsbury of Dave Campbell's Texas football and they have certainly lived up to the hype through three games here we have the same guy at number four Shane Shane Bouchel has been really wonderful for the Longhorns has been smart cerebral beyond his years really everything people talked about him being before the season which I think is the most interesting thing that you know everyone talked about his poise and his demeanor and Sometimes you can kind of take that like, oh, they're just talking him up or, oh, they're just trying to believe in their guy. But he has really been the real deal for the long run. Oh, he's, he's definitely shown all of those things that they said before the season. Mm-hmm. And so number five, what do you have against my man Kenny Trill? What do you, what's the problem here? The guy only has four touchdowns this season, three picks, and he's bound to do something that's going to get him off the football field. I'm just I'm not a Kenny Trill guy. Kenny Trill is one of the three passers so far in the Big 12 to throw for 1,000 yards. He was terrific at Texas A&M in a – someone can't ran, run that program very well. That was a disaster when he left there. He had a sit-out year at TCU. That guy, I think, is as talented as any quarterback in the Big 12, and they have been very good this year, but I still think he's really, I think, really good. I think that might be why he's off my list maybe. Um, I might be more put off by TCU than I am by Kenny Hill, and he could slide into my top five quarterback list later on in the season, but right now he just doesn't make the cut. All right, that's fair. That's fair. All right, well, thank you so much. We had some good quarterback banter there. And that's all we have for the fourth edition for the Texas Overtime Podcast. I promise my voice will be a little less hoarse next week, and Ezra Siegel will rejoin us as we preview Texas taking on Oklahoma State. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. This podcast was produced by The Daily Texan, hosted by Michael Shapiro and Tyler Horka. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode, and you can always find more news at dailytextonline.com.